Hey, welcome to another episode of 200 OK with me, Chris Chirrut, and James Beck. Right, uh, this week's episode explores what happens when security policies aren't given the attention they really deserve, and really how some of our data might not be as private as we're all led to believe. We also talk about my first year in business, whilst James prepares to take his mum's cyber flashing. Okay, enjoy. days didn't you um, yeah i did 2 247 247 days yeah um and i'm Which pretty sure be... we said see you next week at the end of the last <laughs> podcast didn't we or uh, we'll be back next week at least yeah i was thinking this is now the longest week in history like if we if we had to run down so so james how's your week been um yeah. well christmas <laughs> Um, you know, birthdays, was it weddings, was it just or whatever. After Christmas, we did the, no, it, the last it was one. no, it was before Christmas because oh, um, I did. I listened back to it the other day because I had to remind myself. I know you're right. Yeah, yeah, no, I did as well. Yeah, mm, yeah, and um, we talked about uh, because we were both having Christmas deliveries for food, and ah, yes. uh, we got into the discussion of Amazon Prime, which actually brings me into my first bit of housekeeping because I feel we should have some housekeeping in between episodes because, you know. Yeah, there may be corrections or there may be uh, omissions that we might uh, yeah, want to yeah. want to go right, back so. on, which is probably going to be the majority of our po- of our podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we'll forward. just spend the whole next week correcting mistakes from the previous yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I do have a bit of housekeeping from those two hundred forty seven days ago, and it is to do with Amazon Prime. So um, uh, you remember I was talking about the fact that for some reason no, you won't remember this because it was so boring um, that. Uh, I tried to use my um, wife's Amazon Prime yeah. on my account and it wasn't working for some reason. What was going on? Right, okay, so important update for any of our listeners is if you are trying to add family members to an Amazon Prime student account... What, student is, account what is an Amazon Prime student account? <laughs> so students can get a discount on Amazon Prime. So instead of it being, I assume, what is $99 a year, you can get it for like half price, I think. Okay, cool. I didn't so, know that. Like, we I didn't only pay like £49 or something like that. So, you know, that's good. But you um, can't but add you, family members on. Exactly. So so there was me trying to have my secret Christmas presents. Serves you right for being time. a cheapskate. Yeah. So uh, important information. Um, if you have a student Prime, uh, Amazon Prime account for students, then, uh, then so that'd be why. out like I do. I actually think it's pretty good value, you know. I, only, I bought it as... Our last episode was titled For the Grand Tour. Um, mm. Only because I was sort of post-Top Gear era and I wanted to see what they did and stuff. I'm not, mm. not sure I'd spend 80 quid on the next series of the Grand Tour. But um, <laughs> the kids make good use of uh, Prime Video. So do yeah. we, actually. And yeah. having Next Day on all that stuff is... Um, you know, I think it's worth whatever it costs me a year, yeah, 80 or 90 quid a year. Mm. I, think, um, I think just the... Um... And from the movie side of it, whilst I don't think Amazon's library is really that superb, um, the just streaming all my video content now, like there's so little I will watch on scheduled television. Yeah, no, I agree. I completely agree. 
And um, well, actually, when we 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 we've moved house in the last week, um, <laughs> um, and when we moved, we didn't have a aerial for a long time, and I didn't miss live TV at all. Actually, mm. it was, there was a couple of little things, but all I did was wait for them to finish, and then watch them streaming. In fact, with iPlayer now, you don't even have to wait for stuff to finish, do you? Most stuff you can just start from the beginning. If you miss the first ten minutes, you can log into iPlayer and just say start from the beginning. Yeah. And now yeah. I also noticed that iPlayer um, or the BBC are now doing what the other streaming services like Netflix and Amazon do, and is that is release entire series before they've been on. Um, oh, I know that. Is that just some? That's going to be like the BBC Three content and stuff. I assume. Uh, no, so actually it's not. So this is why it's quite. It's been quite controversial that I've read. Is um, so there's a series called Top of the Lake. It's the second series oh, yeah, called yeah, China so, Girl. Yeah. Yeah, it's got that same girl in that's in the. Uh, oh. What's that thing on Channel Four? Um, I, I I haven't seen it, but I know what you're. If you said it, I know oh what you mean. God's sake! It's about it's like a dystopian future oh, where okay. women are really oppressed, and uh, why the missus has got the book, um, but I can't remember what it's called. Anyway, sorry, okay. you carry on with your story. Oh, so, so, <laughs> yeah, no, what we're saying is there's now controversy around the fact that the BBC are starting to do it because because they're not a you know, completely streaming service. They mm. they still they do still have to provide a televised scheduled service, mm. and uh, of course, a huge majority of their customers, if you can call them customers or, or recipients of their content, are people who don't have access to streaming services. These people are now feeling, you know, I'm talking about older people or people who just don't care yeah, about yeah. watching streaming. They prefer to watch it scheduled. Um, are now complaining that, of course. People who have access to iPlayer can now see all the episodes, whereas the rest of the non-streaming world are only, you know, have only it's, got halfway through the season. What? It's not just that. I kind of think there's something nice about everyone sat down watching it at the same time, and like, especially if it's stuff that's been built up and there's a cliffhanger and it's popular mm. and people are talking about it in offices and things like that. People being able to watch it at all different times kind mm. of takes the edge off it a little bit and means it's something you can't all talk about together. Yeah, talk, uh, stand around the water cooler I still and think, talk yeah, about last exactly. Because basically, of, uh, let's face it, when a whole series comes out, if you're committed enough, you have nothing else to do in your, your life and you don't care yeah. about sleep, you yeah. could watch the whole series in one night. Yeah. Well, um, I, I tell you what, I mean, I thought um, that that was actually going to be sort of like the downfall of some of these services in terms of their revenue. Now, what do I know? Because I'm just me, you know, and I'm sure they all know better than me. However, I even proved myself wrong. So when The Crown came on Netflix... I didn't. I mean, I've I've t- I've had my Netflix subscription on and off over the course of a couple of years. I'll keep it on for a few months, and then I'll go. I haven't watched anything yeah, recently, so I'll, I'll pause it. I'll cancel it. Yeah. yeah. And then and then I heard about this like TV series that we both thought would would uh, sound quite interesting, and they were releasing the entire thing up front. So it was like eight to ten episodes. I don't know. And so I thought, okay, let's get Netflix back, and watch that. And you know, I'll only need it for a month because we are we're going to shoot through that box set. You know, pretty much immediately. Um, and I haven't cancelled my Netflix subscription since, and that was probably over a year ago. Yeah. So it's it's and it's not because I was lazy; it's just because I got used to having Netflix again. So yeah. I, it's it's I don't know whether it's a combination of whether it's a good pull for the streaming services to get you in by by releasing the entire series and get you uh, get you hooked on using Netflix, or whether ultimately people were smart enough to go, well, I don't need you know I'll, I'll just pay per per yeah. TV program I'm interested in. I don't know. Some series we end up wait until they've finished so we can watch them all because it mm. is it's frustrating when you have to wait a week and then you have this big like catch-up bit at the start of the next episode 
Yeah. And you need it after a week, especially like some of these sort of crime drama like Broadchurch style things where it's yeah. so complicated, so many things going on. Uh, Handmaid's Tale, by the way, was what I was trying to think of. Ah, <laughs> uh, right, okay, yes, yes. That Which I also familiar. got bored of. Um, <laughs> it's just You're America- no more disciplined than me, though, because because I, ca- I can't wait until the end of a, se- a season. If it's something I generally want to watch, I will have to go through it week yeah. on week. The only time we'll, we'll um, go through the entire series or something is if it's uh, like Top of the Lake was a good example. We'd found out about it after it'd been on TV. Okay, yeah. So, so you missed the boat already in terms yeah, exactly. of... Yeah, uh... exactly. So like, we only started watching Game of Thrones about four series in. So that was, you know, we went straight through those. Still Same never with... seen a single one of them. <laughs> Same with um, uh, Walking Dead, Breaking Bad. Yeah. Like all these top, um, you know, uh, record-breaking, super, yeah. super popular TV series. And the majority of them, I've come to them late. And so I've had the benefit of watching them all at once. I guess BBC have got to think who's paying their licence fee, not just now, but in the next 50 years, and yeah. what their expectations are. I still I see the BBC as pretty good value, especially when you compare it with Netflix or Amazon um, Prime. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even the BBC, yeah. even BBC entirely is a is a. And I suppose there's also value. this difference which you can see with Netflix and Amazon again between mm. content they buy and content they produce, and so BBC yes. has a lot more control over content it produces. Whereas when it's buying in content, well, it's like the Bake Off, which mm. is now going to be on Channel Four. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. So why well, do you can't remember how we got onto that? That was your Amazon Prime <laughs> student account. Amazon Prime. <laughs> Amazon Prime. <laughs> Ah, right. So, um, I can see you, but no one else can see you. And yeah. you can see me, so, you know... It's we're not both, much to look at. We're both sat at home at the moment, respective houses. Yes. Um, we don't live together. No. Um, we tried it, but it just didn't work. Did it? We, just... <laughs> <laughs> we do occasionally, normally once a year for a few days. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, did, I was going to record this in the office, but um, there was just too much background noise. But here, of course... Yeah. Uh, has its own problems uh, it's summer holidays so who knows if there's any I mean children could be crying in the background right now and I can't hear them because <laughs> my headphones are in um, I'll let you know if I notice flames yeah. kind of like turning <laughs> yeah. up over your shoulder oh, no, no, there is another adult supervising just, uh, <laughs> yeah um, I just don't know what you can hear the door's in here about a centimetre thick so uh, yeah, yeah you're probably going to hear it all um, okay so um we haven't. We I've not spoke to you about the content of this at all, which is um, how we did the last one and what mm. I like. Uh, mm. um, did do you want to bring your first sort of topic to the oh, table? Well, I was hoping that you would start with your one first, because oh, I think yours is going to be the more interesting. Mine's mine's more of a um, anecdotal thing rather okay. than a uh, well. Well, I know what yours is. So do you want to do you want to explain sort of uh, where you were going with yours? Okay. Um, I don't want to make this into. I said this to you before we start recording into a. Uh, cyber security related podcast but it uh, it is what draws most of my attention so there'll probably be a sort of underlying theme mm. uh, and this one's quite interesting for lots of reasons and it, it, it's, it applies to lots of regular people that just use the internet every day um, because um, it's just about your privacy and how different applications you use might handle your data and things that we overlook uh, when mm. we're, we're uh, uploading uh, photos and videos and, and sending messages to each other um, yeah. all the time. So I want to talk about, um, well, specifically, I want to talk about Amazon's uh, S3 service, which is uh, part of Amazon Web Services, yeah. um, which which is essentially a, a data storage mechanism. Um, so 
anyone can sign up for the uh, the free tier and you can store files and other data online in Amazon's data centers all over the world and you can do lots of clever things if you if you have the time to think about where in the world you want it stored and where you want it replicated so that people can access that data very quickly anyway it's it's a it's a brilliant service so brilliant in fact it, i mean it's just used um so frequently across many of the apps and uh, web services that we use every day and it's completely behind the scenes you know most of the time you you'd have a very tough job digging around to work out um whether um something you were using was utilizing AWS or specifically S3. Yeah. Um but recently- well, I mean, like one example of that would be the fact like our website, our 200 OK website yeah. is is hosted on S3. You wouldn't know by looking at it. No. There's no clues there. Um yeah, so other the than the fact that you could I mean what clues could there be? I mean because even like the, the DNS, yes that's with them but it doesn't mean that the uh, Yeah, I don't know you have to that's a, that's a good bit of research there actually. I don't know if if there is any giveaways because it comes via CloudFront which is another AWS service. I suspect if you choose to use CloudFront because you could you could if you were doing assets then then CloudFront but Yes, if you the... were just yeah, sorry, if they, if people were just well if you were just retrieving an image um mm. There's lots of. I think there are giveaways that it has come from S3. Other than oh, I can see the, one. I've sorry, just not sorry to interrupt you. I'm just I've just literally gone on using the inspector in Chrome for uh, for yeah. our website and under the response header for server, it's declaring itself as Amazon S3. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, um, that, yeah, it does say that. But I don't. Oh, so it does that even though that's going via CloudFront. Oh well, this one isn't. But, oh, okay. But yours is. Oh, should I, should I try one that's going via CloudFront? This isn't yeah. a very exciting podcast material. <laughs> um, but let's, let's just do it quick. Right, okay. It says, response headers say Amazon S3. There you go. So even with CloudFront, you still get that server. As well. Anyway, that's how you know. Anyway, it's used for so much stuff, it's hard to fathom. And that's just the public stuff. It's also used for a lot of private data storage, which is where this gets interesting, you know, so um, businesses might uh, run internal applications that utilise S3 for data storage. Um, It's also just a really fantastic backup. I'm actually moving my personal backup from Google Drive to S3. Um, It's going to cost me more money, but it just provides me that bit more flexibility um, with the way that I want to back up all our photos and videos etc yeah. and it's it's incredibly cheap as well um you know f- you can store huge amounts of data for relatively um for relatively little money um yeah. and, it, and even at the, the relatively smaller scale um their free tier of course also offers you the opportunity to use many of their services up to a certain amount of mm. usage um for for nothing for 12 months don't they if it's a brand new account so um so S3 is great. That's the summary of that little <laughs> bit of this. Um, but it, it does have a darker side. Um, when you're putting all this stuff online, uh, you can decide whether you make uh, files and folders public or private. Um, now, I say when you're putting this stuff online, you know, I'm, a part of me, you know, lots of people would log into S3, click the upload button and put a file in there. But the vast majority of the content that gets stored in S3 is, of course, put there by applications. Yep. So we're talking about code uploading these files um, and when you when you uh, upload a file you get to choose whether it's public or private now public files can be accessed by anyone all you need to know is the the URL of the of the file inside s3 um, s3 calls its containers of files buckets um, and uh, yeah I mean the, the literally is that it's just a massive of data. bucket of data yeah, yeah. and um, they uh, 
so people make buckets and every bucket gets a name and you're, you then you get an ad- a Amazon S3 address which includes your bucket's name, forward slash, whatever you called the file or the path to the file. Mm-hmm. It's slightly more convoluted than that, but that's how you can think of it. And um, so some of these files are public, some are private. Public files mean anyone can access them. So if you're going to put an image on your website, it has to be public, otherwise no one's going to be able to access it. Um, if you are, If you've got an application... Um, that is storing, I don't know, PDF invoices or something, and you want uh, just that application to be able to download those invoices, and then you can make that private, and you can give your application the credentials required to download those files as and when it needs them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's pretty straightforward in their interface to choose between public and private, and obviously when you're writing code, you you can it should be straightforward to say, I want this file to be public or private, and there's a few other settings in between. However, just because of the vast amount of data stored in S3, uh, mistakes have been made. And I looked at how easy it would be to discover um, bu- public buckets, which perhaps weren't supposed to be public. Um, and as you can imagine, uh, the results, uh, well, they're, they're very interesting. <laughs> so um, just the first note, the thing that got me into this actually was... Um, there's a guy called Chris Vickery um, who works in the US. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a security researcher and he, at VickerySec is his Twitter for anyone that cares. Okay. Um, and he has, S3 has just been a goldmine for him and some of the discoveries he's made um, in, uh, include uh, the voting details of 198 million uh, American voters. Now I don't know off the top of my head the population of America, but that's got to be a... Uh, very considerable chunk of every, <laughs> all their voters, um, along with a ton of other stuff, um, applications for uh, uh, resumes that people have sent in to become part of uh, Donald Trump's uh, campaign team. I mean, they, he's just found bucket after bucket full of insecure, very sensitive data. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, so the way I approach this was uh, they give every bucket a name, I um, wrote a small application which could try lots of buckets very quickly and tell me which ones are public and private. One distinguish, um, one thing I need to distinguish is that buckets can be private, but the content within them can be public. And the difference there is if you have a public bucket, it will actually list for you its entire contents. So even right. if the name of an image or a, or a, photo, uh, or a video or a, or a document is something bizarre or a hash of a, of a file, um, so you're never going to guess what the name is, well, actually, if it's a public bucket, it will list it out for you, so you don't need to do any guessing. And that's where a lot of these services go wrong. Um, so I took, a, I took some, some word lists, so some dictionary words, or um, you could use uh, first names and uh, common surnames, Company other, names. Company names, yeah, that's a really good idea. And the last one I actually used was I took Alexa's top one million. Um, do you remember Alexa? Like, uh, yeah, it, was that the one that would, would rank the most popular websites? Yeah, it used to be there? a browser plugin. I don't know how they work now. It used to be a browser plugin, and it would okay. it would use that data to rank the most popular websites. Anyway, top <laughs> one million websites according to Alexa. Yeah. I stripped off the, domain, the TLD bit of the domain names for the .com.co.uk and yeah. just use that. So uh, anyway, I churned through hundreds and thousands of buckets and found thousands and thousands of uh, public buckets. And I'm not, I'm not talking about here about private buckets with uh, public files in. Uh, I'll come to that at the end. These are public buckets. So indexable, it gives you a nice pretty list of all the files in there, and then you can go and see what's in every file. Uh-huh. Um, 
Um, and they sort of fall into three three categories. One is what we talked about at the beginning, static websites. So that's not really that exciting. I mean, that's the only way they can work uh, is if they're in a, a static website. Uh, for to host a static website, the content's got to be public, generally speaking. Yeah. Um, anything that they expose there is going to be exposed on the website as well. So if, you know, if you've made a mistake there, yes, you could have accidentally uploaded something sensitive, but that's not really why I'm looking in S3 buckets. There's way easier ways of uh, of doing that. Um, the the other extreme are buckets that just simply aren't supposed to be public so um, you might have a company using it to store uh, uh, invoices like I mentioned earlier or purchase yep. orders or documents yep. um, or just backups of all their files and folders or individuals database backups, database backups uh, individuals backing up their entire computers mm. um, and those buckets are supposed to be private and there's lots of them that aren't, which means all that data is accessible to the entire world if if you can find it. Yeah. Um, but then there's one in the middle, which I think is by far the most interesting, which is people, well, apps using S3 to store user content. Okay. Which, so they need it to be public in the sense that they need apps or websites to be able to access that content but they don't want it to be indexable. So for example, um, in, in my finds, I found an, an app, um, so it's an iOS and Android app, that allows me to send video or picture messages to another user of the app. So nothing new, yeah, there's hundreds and hundreds of apps that do that. Yeah. Um, this particular app sold itself on the fact that you could uh, send them a picture or a video and put a time delay on when they could open it. So, okay. Um, sort of like the reverse of those ones that uh, the Snapchat that will yeah the opposite will, of yeah, that basically yeah. yeah so it's a complete gimmick um, and I wasn't going to say its name but I guess you can <laughs> you can probably find it from that but anyway um, however there so if I sent you a message Chris I, you know with something like that as a gimmick you I, I think you're entitled to an expectation of some privacy um, you know without alluding to the kind of messages people probably send each other yeah um, yeah you, because you're you're effectively you're you're selling as as the provider of the application you're selling this idea that whatever you send yeah is is um unavailable to anybody until you've determined that it may be seen yeah and so you can say a day a week a month yeah. whatever you want yeah um and of course, all their content goes into S3. So if I send you a photo, it will go into S3. Mm -hmm. you, your app will say, oh, you've got a photo waiting, but you can't view it yet. And yes, in the app, you can't view it yet. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is, if you went to the S3 bucket, which is public and indexed, you can view not just your message, but any messages anyone has sent to anyone else. Right. Um, so they're doing some things right. I mean, the idea is that the right way of doing this is that you you get that image, you generate a pseudo random name for that image, mm. um, or or you create a hash of its content, and then you store that in S three, so that nobody could guess the name of that image. Or you know, could you could you also do something where where your the the serving part of that content in your application is essentially a proxy to to yes. S three. So so your bucket is still entirely private at every level. Yeah. But you, but your app is using its credentials with the S three API. You you definitely can. The only catch for that is you do yeah you lose some of the benefits of having this massive CDN 
serving your content. Yes, okay. Because yeah, it's so all going to go via your server. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but no, that that is like if it was if you were perhaps a business and it wasn't you weren't using S three because of the because it can you know because it's all over the world and lightning fast etc then mm-hmm. yeah that would be a viable option mm-hmm. but you can do this without doing that you know it's the way bitcoin works with with these great big um hashes yeah and they protect your money because no one no one can guess it and the numbers are crazy like you know more than there are atoms in the universe or something <laughs> you hear lots of different things band around but you know um it, that's all it would take a hash of the file name um and to make the bucket private that's the key to make the bucket private so that the so that the contents are not indexed yes. because if the contents weren't indexed you were never going to guess those names of the those those random names of those files okay. um so that was one example um there were hundreds there were hundreds and hundreds of exposed buckets and you know this has been talked about a lot recently amazon supposedly sent messages to all the owners of public buckets mm. just uh, so they understood the risks of uh, of having a public bucket but when those messages went out you owned a public bucket and you're not entirely sure are you whether or not you received a message from amazon that, that said oh, that. i've definitely i've definitely had i definitely have public buckets for the exact reason that you mentioned is that static it's just, website it's just one, assets yeah. oh like yeah our, our own site like it's that's yeah. basically it maybe another um but they are purely for um uh, delivering assets to other websites there's nothing private about them but i do also have private buckets that that uh, i know are locked down purely because it was very obvious that was where the security risk was that's where the the human error was you could put as much time into um, securing your databases ensuring that you don't have root use uh, root access especially remote mm. root access to databases and you can spend as long as you want trying to set up your your database to make sure it's entirely secure but if you have a backup procedure that pushes stuff to s3 and and it, and that bucket in itself is not private then um, you might as well have not done the rest yeah yeah absolutely i mean and this is the part of the problem you see like businesses using this have probably you know, in lots of the cases, they probably don't even bloody know that they're using it. They have, yeah. you know, developers have built them this app. They've decided to use S3 because it's super easy to, you know, the API is really straightforward and it's cost effective. Um, and your data is going in there. And, and as a business owner, you're focusing yeah. on whatever your, your day job is. You don't even know you're using S3, let alone what the bucket settings are. <laughs> um, and as a developer... Are you going to bother going back through every app you've ever made to to make sure you've got your settings right when you hear this stuff in the news? I, I, I don't know if you are. Um, mm. you, you have a responsibility to, but I, I don't know that you are. Um, I think it you... depends. I, think, I suppose it depends what that sensitivity is, because I can imagine there is a world where there will be people who go, well, you know, that project ended a year ago. I'm not being paid for it anymore. So... You yeah, know, it, well, it basically comes down to do they yeah. think there's any more money in it? And, yeah. you know, that's how we're all motivated, I suppose, to well, an extent. I would also say that um, what's going to be the fallout for this data being found. So, yeah, I might not have touched oh, the project for a couple of years, um, but if I suddenly found out that uh, that there is a security issue here and that I might have left some data available, yeah, okay, I'm not going to be um, compensated financially to actually carry out that work. However, <laughs> the fallout of that yeah. ever getting found, you know, could be could be 10 times as so bad. The avoidance of pain, basically, exactly. as opposed to the gain of money, yeah. yeah. Okay, so the question that I asked myself then was, uh, whose fault is it? And... I was literally about to ask you the exact same question. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my conclusion really was whoever set the bucket up. 
Um, I can see a workflow as a developer where you're like, all right, let's set up a bucket. Mm-hmm. I'll worry about the settings later. Let's just get it working. Once I, and I want it public because that's really it's super easy then for me to test mm. um, uh, if my file uploads are working. Yeah. And incidentally, lots of the buckets, the first file at the top of the list tends to be testupload.txt yeah. um, or yeah. something like that. So um, those are, I can see a workflow where it gets forgotten at the end but mm-hmm. it is the it is absolutely the fault of the bucket whoever set the bucket up or the developer um because the bucket can be set up one way and and you can actually give your bucket um more fixed uh, rules to follow in terms of the files and things that get added to mm. prevent this from happening but that's quite complex and i think um you know when when you're a developer it would be all too easy to say let's just have public files for now i'll worry about that down the line and never never as a project deadline looms and you're under yeah. under pressure that you never resolve that issue um uh, however that said um i don't really understand why buckets have nice human friendly names at all i can't see any benefit to it yeah. like um you know, if you're referencing it in in a website, who cares what the name of the bucket is? It's going to be no one's going to see it, right. and and lots of the time, people that are utilising these buckets for content. If you were going to give, um, so for example, if you're going to give your clients direct links to content in buckets, um, you would, uh, you'd probably use your own domain name. So it's quite straightforward to make your own domain name point point to a bucket. Yeah. Um, or a subdomain of your domain, etc. So, um, so I, Amazon giving people this ability is part of the problem because if the buckets were more obscurely named, again with a hash or something, I'd have no chance of discovering them, or, or the bad guys wouldn't. Um, I would agree with you that, that, that yeah, I don't see any reason why these why these have to be sort of human friendly yeah. um, strings at all. It's, it doesn't it doesn't seem to add any value other than someone being able to glance at the list and say. Oh, I can see what that bucket's for, but that that just that's a UI issue within um, AWS itself to say, you know, that you've named this bucket this, but um, the name does not reflect the actual root URL that yeah. uh, that is actually in use. Um, do you think there's any culpability to AWS themselves, or could AWS do more to um, guarantee that, or to help people uh, or help developers? who don't realise that their bucket is public when it shouldn't be. I don't know, you know, because there's so many uh, public buckets, the majority of public buckets just because are used the right way. You know, they're public because they need to be public. Yeah. Very difficult for Amazon other than, it's right as a human to say, well, let's look at the content and let's look at what service might be using this and work out whether you think that bucket should be public. But on the scale that Amazon are looking at, I'm I'm not sure there's much more they can do than send out warnings to owners of public buckets, just reminding them of the implications. I mean, what... Is it is it a huge amount of work on their part though to periodically uh, email the owners of public buckets? No, true. To maybe, say, look, your public your bucket is, is public. Can you confirm whether this is correct or not? Because yeah. you know, at, at, you know, per- pulling a random file, this file is public. Is it meant to be? And that, that that person can either dismiss the alert and say, you know, yes, you know, there's no problem here, or you know, it brings their attention to a, a genuine. Maybe problem. it would need, yeah. There's no problem. Don't ask me again. Yeah. But then everyone's going to say that. I just kind of, I don't know. As a developer, okay. if I if I set up a public bucket because mm. I needed a public bucket, even getting asked that once every three or six months would probably annoy me a little mm. bit. It, you know, mm. um, one thing I did know was, you know, to do this. I had to try 
literally hundreds of thousands <laughs> of potential bucket names and yeah. Amazon were quite happy for me to do that by all accounts. I mean, they didn't um uh, I didn't get throttled, I didn't get the IP address didn't get blocked or anything like that. It right. should have been obvious what I was doing. Right. Yes. Um, okay. You know, the same IP address is trying lots of different bucket names with exactly the same request headers in a very short space of time, the very least should have been some sort of throttling yeah. uh, or slowing down of the responses that, yeah. that I was getting. But no, so, you know, I kind of feel like that's a basic uh, mitigation they can put. It wouldn't stop people mm. completely. And, you know, and I, the approach I took was, oh, let's see how big the problem is. Let's see what's there. But, you know, the risk to lots of businesses will be somebody's targeting them and wants to nose around their bucket, which brings me just to my final point on this, okay. um, that even if you have a private bucket, it's still not, impossible that content being uploaded due to programming errors is public and um what you know so in that situation the approach that you take is you take a private bucket and then you do what's called fuzzing which is where you basically just guess hundreds of thousands of uh, urls uh, or um in uh, s3 speak object keys uh on the end so for example you might look for uh, sql dot back or or db.sql or interesting file or passwords.txt, mm-hmm. um, you know, inside a private bucket where in, you're in the hope that those files would actually, it would turn out that those files would be um, uh, public even though the bucket itself was private, which, you know, is, is where you're getting slightly complicated. But that that's a very legitimate approach. And going back to Chris Vickery at the start, that is how he ended up finding um, some very interesting data in the States. So, um, it, Can I just fo- extend this trail of thought on, on what you were saying about, um, you know, ultimately it comes down to the developer. Um, I would agree with you. It, it is the de- developer's responsibility, um, ultimately, to make sure that these buckets are secured and used correctly. However, I would also say, is that is that a realistic thing? Because uh, to be a developer, you don't have to have any kind of license. Anybody can do this stuff. And therefore, the quality control when it comes to um, actually executing a round of development is very, very varied. As you'll know from yeah, yeah, your yeah. career, you've met bad developers and good developers. So I- even though we can agree it's on the developer's um, shoulders to get this done, I don't believe it's a realistic. there's a realistic solution there to say, hey, developers, make sure you do this properly. And developers go, no, oh, you probably, okay, because well, even the bad developers will still get it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And with, I don't, I'm not going to go off on a tangent because I very easily do. But I, I've, I've come across this in an, a different area where if you say the responsibility is on a large group of people, lots of developers are all responsible for this, to say everybody is responsible for it is to equally say nobody's responsible for it. Because when you are distributing that amount of responsibility amongst a group, ultimately no one does a good job, I don't think. Um, it's, no, it's no. Sort of, it's so, a classic, isn't it? I, I think it's the developer's fault, but are they responsible? Probably not. You know, it's in the, in the eyes of the law, who'd be responsible? The owners of the business. Um, mm-hmm. The people that are claiming that they're, they're keeping this data safe and aren't, even if they don't understand it, um, yeah. they're still responsible. They so would you to... say there needs to be a, a more dedicated um, process internally for whoever these whether these developers are and these, these companies to just take security more? Yeah, more, and let's face more... it. Yeah, S3 is like just one little, well, it's massive, but it's small in comparison with the number of examples we could come up with. How many CDNs are there out there? How many different, you know, people storing data on their own servers probably aren't doing it the right way in the majority of cases. You know, this has led me on to a couple of things. One is um, 
I set up an S3 honeypot, okay. which is, yeah, so an empty bucket um, with a, uh, you know, a name, an ambiguous name, but one that's in the dictionary, so that I'm hoping that people could discover it, and yeah. um, uh, and I've set up logging. I did promise I'd have the results for, for today, so okay. I might get them open while we're talking about other stuff, okay. <laughs> and then we'll go have back. A look. I'll be honest, initial results showed no one was interested in it, um, uh, it's funny actually, when you turn logging on in S3, you end up with, most of the logs get filled with mm-hmm. Amazon logging stuff. Um, how did you, pre- how did you, so you say it was a honeypot, what did you do to tempt the bees? Well, okay, I did not. Uh, well, the plan was to do nothing because I figured I wanted to see if anyone had taken my train, my approach to this, okay. which was right. Take a dictionary. Let's run it through S three and see what we get. Yeah. So I chose a word beginning with A. I'm mm-hmm. intentionally not saying what it is because I don't want everyone to go to all our millions of listeners and then fill my logs <laughs> up and then I won't be able to see who the bad guys are. Um, but they, uh, that didn't really happen. I did post it. Uh, onto Pastebin with some juicy keywords. Um, I don't know Pastebin. Tell around. me about Pastebin. Uh, so Pastebin, I don't even know what it's for. To be honest, it's been around for years. Like it's supposed to be a useful place where you can you can paste some content and then other people can access that content. You get a unique URL. Um, but it, it's sort very of like well... a gist or a, or a sort yeah. Of a code share but it was before those things existed, so you could paste textiles and. Uh, any any anything you can paste okay. uh, that's that's letters and numbers you can put in there, and but it's also got a bit of reputation as being used for negative things. So you get a lot of password leaks and things like that going on. Paste okay. bin first, and there's a lot of people that have said that. Well, actually, when um in a previous life in a business I ran, a developer um accidentally pasted some of our source code onto pastebin don't ask me how he did it um i accidentally pasted is probably one word he he intentionally pasted it but didn't realize the implications and it actually contained a which it shouldn't have anyway but it contained a private key for something which we then had to go and change because of course it had become instantly public and there's a lot of people that sit monitoring pastebin Mm -hmm. uh, for keywords like password um, because you know you'll know, and you know developers can easily uh, end up with passwords and sensitive information inside code, which shouldn't be there. Anyway, so I stuck it on there. I, I the files I put in my honeypot were called like private photos. There was a folder. They they'd been very disappointed with the photos that were in there. If anyone found it, um, and uh, passwords.txt just to you know just to see what happened. But um, I I checked yesterday and there was the active all the there was loads of log files and I thought oh wow this is great let's have a look, but the log files were sort of perpetually generate generating in the sense that Amazon's logging process. Amazon stores the log files inside your bucket, and then the next log file contains the activity from Amazon uploading the previous log file. Oh, so, well, <laughs> the first thing that jumps to my mind there is, do they charge you for that? Yeah, you pay for the storage, yeah. Uh, but So you, you pay for them to, because obviously when you have a bucket, you pay for requests, you pay for size, I think. I can't remember. I don't know if you pay for the requests for logging. I need to look, but you certainly would pay for the storage. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I just yeah They just fill up your own bucket. Uh, with, okay, uh... yeah. I mean, we're talking like a few <laughs> bytes at a time. Oh, yeah, sure, moment. sure. But I will keep an eye on it and we can come back to it in a future podcast if anyone has found my bucket. Maybe I didn't name it cool enough. I did think afterwards I should have gone down that Alexa list chosen the first ava- the highest ranked site with an available bucket yeah, okay. and done that yeah. so maybe maybe, maybe do that it. as well or we'll do that maybe, yeah just... yeah 
but um, anyway, we'll come back to that. Um, oh. Yeah, it's all very interesting, and uh, it does just re- represent a much broader problem about privacy and security. And like, you know, next time you download an app and you're sharing even something innocuous with a friend, just think, well, as soon as this leaves my phone, I'm trusting a lot of people before it gets to my friend to be responsible with that content. And, you know, lots of big messaging apps, iMessage, etc., have been under lots of scrutiny, and you can probably trust most of them, WhatsApp, so secure. In fact, governments can't get the data that that they want. And so um, most of them are probably okay, but especially when you're using lesser-known stuff, it's definitely worth thinking about before you... Uh, before you put anything remotely sensitive on there. I'm imagining that, you know, I mean, we could have a conversation about, you know, a relatively high level conversation about security and the culture of security for ages, because in, you know, over this last week of 247 days, mm-hmm. of course, we went, we went through the WannaCry um, oh, yeah. issue and, and stuff like that. A great, we could have had a great podcast on WannaCry. <laughs> we should have jumped straight <laughs> on it. But it's things like that that, that um, I'm sure we've talked about it around that time where uh, it's it's just beginning to show how neglectful um, the culture is against security. Um, yeah. At, I think they're thinking level. about it more. Go on, say again. They they're thinking about it more than they were five or ten years ago. But it's yeah, taken okay. endless reminders of why you should think about it. Yes, because, or in the particular case of that one, the, the main downfall was the fact that old software was running on in institutions who couldn't afford to replace it. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, what I don't have the answer here, but what needs to be done to to prevent that happening again in the future when further software that's created today is going to get pulled down with, with further security issues again in 10 years? Do, do you know what? It's so much more than that, isn't it? Like if... If someone came to me and said, right, we've made this app or we've got this website, can you guarantee, look at it, mm. we'll pay you whatever you need, guarantee it's security, 100% guarantee and take responsibility for it. Yeah. I don't think I could. I don't think anyone could say 100% that is secure because the nature of software and, and everything that's in the chain, you know, especially on the internet, uh, you're relying on so many different pieces of software written by so many different people that haven't been audited, haven't been checked, and even if they have been audited or they've been around 20 years, who knows what someone's doing to discover tomorrow, yeah. what underlying vulnerability which can be leveraged. That You know, this is going to be a problem for the rest of the digital age. Whilst computers and the internet exist, this is going to be an issue. Mm. It's just, like you say, obviously you can limit it by giving it more attention, but it's never, ever going to go away. Um, but but surely that, that, must, that must be in some way there's an answer on, on, on that, route somewhere around giving it attention and just making it more important um i i would i would in, in the same way as you know making sure that you know my application is as secure as it will ever be and will always guarantee security you could also um say the same thing about you know if a client comes to you and says well i want you to make my website and i want you to make this website future proof like you can't make anything future proof because you don't know what the future is but you can make stuff future friendly and what i mean is that you can you can build and design stuff with the tra- with the mindset that what you're doing now is going to have to change at some point and yes. not just about yeah. making it for today. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not nearly um, knowledgeable enough within the realms of security to know exactly how that translates. But as long as security is constantly at the forethought of, of a- every decision being made, whether that's a design decision or a development decision, um, then you are making those security concerns 
future yeah. friendly. Yeah, it just needs to become part of the development process, doesn't it? That, yeah. that security is something that's considered not last, not when you finish the app, but let's see if it's secure. Mm. Let's see if what we've made it happens to be secure. It needs to be part of your process when you're building something. Yeah. It, it needs to be first, really, depending on you know the content and, and the context of what you're making. Which we and could speculate was not part of the process for this particular application that you found to uh, be exposing its S3 content. Yes. Sorry, sorry, how do you mean? As in, as in, so the very fact that you were able to find a bucket that had public content that didn't, wasn't meant to be public for one yeah. reason or another yes, suggests yeah, yeah. That, that, that putting security at the forefront of every decision or whatever, potentially, unless it was just a genuine error, that person really, really cared about security, but they genuinely overlooked that. Well, I can't believe that. I really can't. <laughs> do you know what? There's, I've... Um... One a future episode, I want to talk about responsible disclosure and what okay. that means. But yeah. I don't want so good to go far. But anyway, I have responsibly disclosed to the guys, that, the big ones that I found, where I thought someone should do something about this. Yeah, I haven't had a single response yet. Oh um, really? Nope. So I, they're either preparing because they've got loads of them. Like, oh no, yeah. no, <laughs> they're either preparing, you know, getting their lawyers ready to send me a letter. Yeah. Or, um, they're. It, uh, they're embarrassed. I hope they are. Uh, mm-hmm. Or they're, they, they, well, they haven't fixed them either. I haven't checked all of them, but uh, yeah, anyway. So, yeah, it does make you wonder. Um, maybe they just don't care. I, I think this is a, it's a howler of a mistake. This isn't like someone using some really complex buffer overflow to hack into something that's, you know, very hard to exploit and very hard to discover. This yeah. is publicly leaving all the this content on the internet for anyone to access yeah it's as simple as that and to be really frank mate the if, if you were if you were analyzing and at this app that's doing this you'd be able if you're looking at the traffic that app was generating it would link to all the photos and it wouldn't take you long to work it out so even if their bucket had an obscure name mm. um it would you know this is still a big problem and and, and it's there is no excuse in that case mm. for it being left like this um anyway can um, I can I ask you and and that this this may answer some things for other developers as well? Would you ever turn down a project based on the potential security risk of delivering it? Good question. I think I'd just make sure the risk was factored into my invoice, if that makes sense. You know, I think there's. It just takes time, doesn't it? If, 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 if you're building something that needs to be secure, yeah. then you can probably times 10 to the development time versus something that really doesn't matter how secure it is. Would you ever, would you ever doubt your ability to... Oh, yeah. I ask this because I definitely would. Yeah, I and, probably... I have, and I have accepted projects that I know have a security um, element to them and I have taken so long making sure <laughs> that I haven't missed anything because but... I'm also aware that obviously I don't know everything. Do you know I would? Um, and I've spoken would, to the relevant people. The only way you could do it is is having it in writing that you are ultimately, whilst you'll make your best endeavours to make it secure, yeah. it is not your responsibility that it's secure. Yes, and that's the only way I'd ever and any developer should be saying the same thing. Mm-hmm. That's the only because you'd be mad to guarantee security. And if 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 your customer then says to you, "Well, what's what's the point in?" you um why <laughs> why you know that doesn't mean you're worth you, you have zero value you say well look, one person can't do this you have to have a 
uh, lots of other people look over these things to yeah. to prove well you can't prove their skill but to to better guarantee security and so you need to after i've built this bit of software you need to have it independently audited by a business or by individuals that specialize in in the different parts of this application um making it your responsibility to employ the right people to make sure it's secure um and i don't think you can do any more than that okay yeah. ah right that only took well how long we've we been is that 45 minutes on 47 that 47 minutes I've wow that might be okay so we're gonna podcast. break our podcast length record i think <laughs> Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't know, because this. Um, well, really, my my conversation may be very, very short, or it could take us absolutely anywhere. The the main thing, the reason I said earlier on, it was is anecdotal, and I think it's a better one to end on, because I think yours is where all the brain power is, and mine is more of a sort of, <laughs> I, um, uh, 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 more around um, what it means to be a developer, and that is purely down to the fact that we are a week or two away from me celebrating my first year of business. Ah, um, I would have oh, done... I've just I've just quit LinkedIn this week, mate. <laughs> oh no! I Think can't... of all the business opportunities we have now lost because we're no longer connected. I know. Well, I can't congratulate you on your first work anniversary. Oh no! This is like this is like on Facebook when you don't get people congratulating you on your birthday, <laughs> which I take great pride in uh, in not having because because uh, <laughs> I, I I I know that you've deleted your Facebook account, but. But I, I take great pride in mine having zero activity on it whatsoever. Yeah, maybe that's even cooler than not having one at all. <laughs> but anyway, that my Facebook wasn't my. I don't want to. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, talking about then. But no. So um, basically, um, I just wanted to talk about the realities of somebody leaving full-time employment and deciding that they're going to go and do this themselves. Because I'm sure there will be plenty of within our millions of people who listen to this podcast. There will be people who have either, you know, worked a job for a long time, thinking about changing that job, um, doing something different, always wanting to maybe work for themselves, but never having the confidence to do it. Mm. Um, and uh, with both of us being people who don't have an employer who run mm. their own businesses, um, you know, I think there's always a lot of value in talking about those experiences yeah. and, and sharing maybe either the mistakes or the things that have gone well. So... Has your first year gone as well as you'd liked it to have? Um, I, it definitely has, uh, a couple of reasons. Firstly, um, is that I, when, I, when I left my job to, to start my own thing, I didn't actually, other than um, the sort of whispers that you might have some work available for me to do, I didn't yeah. actually have any work to go and do. Um, it was more of a case of, oh, now, now's, a, now's a good time to go and do something different. Um, I didn't actually have anything really set up. Um, fortunately, it, everything's just sort of like fallen in front of me as I've gone along. Um, I haven't had to advertise my availability. Everything has just been word of mouth and it's just sort of turned up and it's, it's done, you know, it's been very successful as a result. But I wouldn't recommend that as a route to people because there's just, you have no control over, over, well, would I recommend that? I don't know. I like it's a high think, risk. It's a risky strategy, yes. I suppose, isn't it? It, it is, but then I think it also comes down to your confidence over could you go and find work if you had to. Yeah. Um, well, could... and that's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a, the whole thing comes down to risk, doesn't it? If you've got a job, you've got this big safety net around you, if the business you're working for has a quiet month, you still get paid at the end of the month. Yeah. Um, if you don't finish a project on time, the business will still pay you at the end of the month in most cases um, mm. if you don't get the chop, and you lose that safety net. And I, I personally 
sometimes I have times I'm just thinking, why am I doing this? So especially when you've worked till 3am or, or all night. And Your um, responsibilities are higher than mine as well because, you, you know, you've got three kids and, and things well, like yeah, that. Well, yeah, okay, from that... The well, worst yeah, that happens but, to me is, well, you know, it's, it's, not, as, it's not as detrimental. Uh, yeah, that that is true to an extent, and but but to an individual, mm-hmm. the you know the, your risk is the same. You're not going to be able to eat or pay your mortgage or whatever at the end yeah. of the month. Mm. And, but but um, but whilst I say I wouldn't recommend people to necessarily leave their work without having anything, there are ways to mitigate that. People who start side projects whilst they're still in employment, yes, yeah, so you need and that slowly gradual. move across. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that's not to say that if you are brave if you if you if it's the right move for you i would still say of course absolutely go and do it because you having that confidence to say this is what i want to do will mm. get you through it you know different people have you know it depends how risk adverse you are doesn't it and what your mm. approach to life is generally to be honest if you lots of you know if you want your if you want a safe bet and you want to work your way up the career ladder that's a perfectly commendable route and um, mm. i personally find it uh, quite boring and I, I what what I have to tell myself when I have those moments where I'm thinking why am I putting myself through this is I forget that I I can work when I want you know if I want to take the morning off sometimes I do or mm. if the family need me for something then I'm able to do that or if we're going um, away at the weekend and I don't know the missus needs me to go and buy something I can go and do it without having to explain to someone where I'm going to be all the time and there's mm. there are so many perks to working uh, for yourself or running a business um the the pressure and added stress that comes with it is is the trade-off but for me over the net result is a much i'm you know i can't say that i am i'm better off as a result that's i'm not sure that i necessarily am versus living in the corporate world but um i certainly have a better quality of life in my opinion yeah. working for myself yeah and definitely yeah, just because I get to do what I want to do. I, you know, mm. there, there must be so many developers. This I find developers are very entrepreneurial generally. Um, they realise very quickly. Well, hang on, I've just done eight days' work on that. I've got paid a quarter of my month's salary, and you've just been paid ten grand for that project. And yeah. I, I, there must be so many developers out there that sit and have that feeling all the time. Um, but but it's very easy to get carried away with that because it's all it's all right saying that until you're sat there wondering where the next project's going to come from, mm. um, or where the money's going to come from to pay X yeah. at the end of the month or whatever. Um, and yeah, when you've been doing it a while, you you can find projects you can go and sell, and if people trust you, you can you can sell ideas and concepts into places, and they'll pay you to build them. But um, until you get to that point, it's it's very difficult, and you do really need a. I think for most most normal developers that sat out there in development jobs they're not enjoying, they need something as a stepping stone. Like you say, it's either a side project, um, which uh, can be difficult to monetize and give the time they need to get off the ground, mm. um, or it's a guaranteed first big project as a freelancer yeah. or a contractor somewhere. Yeah, knowing that you've got this to get you going, yeah. and then you know I, I, that gives you X number of months or whatever to find the next piece of work, yeah. which I, I think is 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 that that's the realistic way of of yeah. unless to work you've got a massive wedge in the bank. That's the other way of doing it, isn't it? Save up, yeah, mm. make sure you've got six months' money to live on in the bank, and that gives you yeah. time to to bail on your plan if it all goes wrong. And six months is a long time. Like if someone had six months worth of. 
Mummy to cover. Well, I mean, if you were, if someone is listening to this and they're in the position where they've got six months worth of income sitting in the bank and they're they're unsure about whether to go for it, six months is a long time to um, yeah. to if, take control of of your uh, your destiny. If you can't actually. turn a profit in six months as a freelance developer, you should go back to work. Yeah, I that, think yeah, that's a fair is, that's fair yeah, to say. Yeah. There is there is quite a mindset change in it. I mean, what you were saying before about you know you now have the option, or you've had for a while you've had the option to, you know, work when you want, take breaks when you want, and stuff, go away when you want. Um, it took me a long time to realise I had that freedom um, because I would wake up, you know, those first few months I would wake up at seven in the morning and think, right, well, I've got to. I have to work now for the, at least the next eight hours. I have to match exactly what my previous um, way of making money was. Um, and it took a while before I was able to move away from my desk for a couple of hours in the week without feeling incredibly guilty, guilty about it. Yeah, because I was but, the only person I was cheating. But you, yeah, do you, maybe you had it right the first time though. Cause I'm, yeah, it's horses for courses. No, isn't no, but it? I, 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 it's completely changed now. Like, I don't have a problem with that. Because no. because during that period of never being able to move away from my desk through fear of cheating myself out of an income, <laughs> um, I was able to realise that no, this isn't the way. This isn't this isn't how to make that successful. The su- no. success isn't in sitting at your desk eight hours a well, day. Also, success let, isn't how you apply yourself to do that work. What do you want out of life as well? That's the bottom line for me. Yeah, I'm I'm working. The, I want to work the least possible I have to to have a nice for me and my family to have a nice life yeah mm. that's my mm. goal yeah. so if I so I do enjoy my work but I don't enjoy it more than just living you know taking the dog for a walk etc mm. um, so I I want I want to earn enough money that we can do what we want when we want. And I want that to be a gradual slope. I don't want to work until I'm 40, mm. like 16 hours a day. And then, yeah, be a huge success. And uh, then suddenly change to doing apps, you know, to just being a man of leisure. Mm. Um, I just think life's about a gradual... Who knows what's around the corner? Everyone will have a story that reminds them why life is too short and that you've got to live while you can and do what you can so my philosophy at least is to um work uh uh work hard but know when to stop and enjoy yourself and relax for a little bit and if that happens to be during the daytime then i tend to do it (laughs) well yeah that's right is it important to you to um work on projects that you care about and that you enjoy or are you quite does that not matter so much because the very fact that you're able to do that in your own time whenever compensates for that do you know what it didn't used to but it does now that's exactly what I want to do and I don't know it's tricky like you don't have that luxury I don't still have that luxury to be honest like mm-hmm. I can't I can't turn down a project because it's boring if it's going to pay his, yeah. um, I probably wouldn't have done anything I've done in the last 10 years to be honest, <laughs> if that was the case but but um, I definitely want that to be the future of what I do. Uh, yeah. You know, it's, that's why it's security stuff. I, I, it's sad, but I find it really interesting. Um, mm. And um, Not sad, uh, in a way. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I do find it interesting. And I think that um, I'm moving slowly towards that. I've just got to work out how to monetize it. But, you know, knowing me, by the time I've cracked that, I'll be bored of it and <laughs> want to do something else. <laughs> I'll probably be a tightrope walker or something. <laughs> but, yeah, so 
I, I think it's, you know what, fair. Anyone that's got the guts to go out and have a go deserves a pat on the back. But just do it in a safe way. Do it in a safe way. I would, yeah. say, I would say do it in, do it, make sure it matters to you. That, was, that would be my one. Yeah. Because I know I'm, I am, you know, whenever you hear about a company's values and it's like, oh, what a load of bullshit. Sort of like, you know, oh, yeah, we, we believe in, you know, um, in honesty and, and we make sure that on, honesty is in all our work and things like that. And you have to subscribe to certain uh, company values that, that uh... anyway, my point being is that I always thought that was a load of rubbish. And I, I think it is. But I, I, I think those values become more important when you have uh, the choice over whether to do that work or not. Yeah, yeah, no, um, yeah, absolutely. If you do absolutely. have that luxury, of course, if you are having to take everything that is being offered to you, then then I can understand the yeah. argument for not turning away work. But it one of the reasons um, that I I wanted to go it alone as such and, and take more control over that part that destiny, I suppose, is um, is that I it was important that I cared about what I was doing. Not to say that I didn't care about what I was doing before, but but. I needed to have that stronger influence over what I cared about. Yes. Do you miss people? Uh, now, this is the question I get a lot, but, uh, because I I only have a couple of clients that I actually really visit, and the majority yeah. of my work is from home. I'm really good on my own, <laughs> and, <laughs> and I don't miss people, um, which actually, it worries me a little bit. So... Yeah, like I, I, because I, I, I become, I worry that I will like being at home too much, and one day that will have to change. Whether be that's because I get, well, yeah, I could become a recluse. It means I might become less of a people person, which is actually one of my, one of the things I'm good at at the moment is that I'm a developer who can actually talk to people. Yeah. Um. So I don't want to ever lose that. Um. But the the, and also I don't want to get too comfortable being at home all the time because projects will come along that will require me to be a lot more available in person. Yes. Um, and so I don't want to be going. Oh, I don't want to. I don't want to not be at home anymore. That sort of stuff. So, so it's not. Mm. A, it's not a thing. But, but um, I do certainly uh, have no problem with working on my own um, at home. Like, developers uh, do need a bit of peace and quiet, don't they? Like I am. Um, yeah. I'm sharing an office with some other guys, and they they're great. I get on well with them. I enjoy their company. When I first get in the morning, we have a bit of a chat about the weekend or whatever. But then when I'm trying to I'm deep in concentration over something and they keep talking to me. Mm. It's very hard to stay polite <laughs> when <laughs> you really yeah. just want them to shut up and do some work themselves. And also they're not developers, most of them. So, you know, they don't, I don't think they appreciate, like, you know when you're, you're in the zone? That's how I describe yeah. it. Yeah, 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 and yeah. coming out of that zone is expensive. Um, yes. And uh, well, it happens everywhere. It happens when you're working with other developers. It happens when you're at home. But... Um, I think developers need a bit of solidarity sometimes to be creative. So, mm. so um, do you have something else to talk about? Uh, no, that was that was my thing. I, I I just wanted to just basically because I was now at a year, I thought it was a good point to talk about having been Sweet. in business. Oh, my phone is ringing. <laughs> right, I tell you what, I tell you what, that phone never never rings because it's the business it's the business line. You're gonna have to answer it now. Who the hell? Ah, oh, right. Okay, right. So you, you can. Yeah. Hello. We'll keep we'll keep this in if it's entertaining. Hello. Hi. Uh yeah, hi. Uh yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh how can I help you? (laughs) 
Uh, oh, right. No, so I'm not really, I very, very vaguely remember what it was, but um, I'm actually in the middle of a podcast recording at the moment, so now is not a great time. Um, <laughs> so um, uh, to be honest, to be perfectly honest, it's probably not something I'm going to be able to help you with because it was a tool for a client. Um, I don't think they're using it. It's not really my, me, myself. So um, it's probably best not to, I can't really give you any feedback, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Feel free to yeah, feel free to call back then. Then. All right. Thanks so much, then. Thanks. Bye. Wow. God, what time? It? So that was America calling. Yeah. Well, I'd just woken up, I suppose. Did, yeah, did, Maybe not. Did, did uh, that actually get picked up by the microphone? Was she trying to sell you something? No, she was. She was like. Um, she was trying to get feedback on a trial I had for an applicant for you know like one of those web apps for oh, I think it's okay. analyzing sales data or something. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Something I signed up for months ago and never touched it again. She probably was trying to. Ultimately, she wants you to pay for it. How did she get that number? Yeah, you're like me. People just think me my, my mobile anyway. is my business phone. Have it, like the landline never rings. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm like that. That. Yeah. Oh, everyone calls my mobile. That is the that yeah. is the number that I publicise for the business, but. You know, as you know yourself, how much business do you get for your actual website? Like, oh, yeah, I've, yeah, zero. I've, well, you, I'm not saying websites don't pay, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> it's a classic, it's like the plumber with a leaky cap, yeah. Um, uh, right, do you want to do a fun one then? Because this is this Sorry. is this is really no, I think it's, it's good content listening to uh, <laughs> how to how to deal with those. T- I think you were too polite from being oh, really well, no, well, if I wasn't, if I wasn't, uh, if I hadn't been talking to you. And there weren't a million people listening, then uh, I would have probably got rid of them a lot quicker. But, uh, uh, right. Good timing. I'm, this, this isn't, oh, I say it's fun. It's not fun. That is completely the wrong word for it. Um, okay. it it's silly. Um, I, I want to talk about cyber flashing. I'm going to assume it's not what I think it is. <laughs> it is what you think it is. Really? Right. I want to take you back. Oh God! You haven't found some of me. <laughs> well, you, you tell me. This might be your approach. Um, that, right, that, going back a few years, uh, when phones first started having Bluetooth and people could use it to send each other things, yeah. I remember being at university. So this this is over ten years ago now, um, and you could sit in your lecture theatre and you could send other people had their Bluetooth on messages. Which was oh, right. great. Which was great fun. I didn't do um, that. I used to used to play like football under the table with the person next to me on my phone. Oh, well, yeah, well, like, yeah, okay. yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Phys- yeah physical, <laughs> physical sharing of data. Um, well, it's back basically, but um, so Apple's AirDrop. Yes. Do you do you ever use AirDrop for transferring a file between my phone and my Mac once a once a quarter? Yeah, okay, that's the same as me and everyone else. However, it turns out um, that if you are on the uh, New York subway, um, you might be um, minding your own business when suddenly your phone says, so, this, someone's trying to send you a message, and you say, yeah, accept, and um turns out they've sent you a picture of their penis. Oh, right. Yeah, um, and it's... Pleasure. I don't know that, the media sort of presenting this as a thing, cyber flashing. I suppose it doesn't just have to be airdrop. Right. Uh, but um, I, you can turn airdrop off. 
<laughs> so you're saying there's a very simple solution to this? Yeah, this... or just say, I'm on the fucking train. <laughs> Can you Who's wait until I'm sending... back home, please? Yeah. But, I mean, the creepy bit about it is the it, the Bluetooth range is like five, what, five, ten metres? Well, so you're going to say, it's obvious who sent it to you because it's a guy with his cock out. Is that what you mean? <laughs> well, no. I just mean... <laughs> 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 Uh, okay, first of all, it's bad. You should not send women or anyone else pictures like that anonymously on a train. Uh, but I just kind of think you should just say, no, I don't want that picture. I didn't. Anyway, this happened to someone. Um, her name was, I'm reading this, Britta Carlson. Uh, you can Google the story. It's been covered everywhere. Suddenly cyber flashing is a thing. I don't think it is. I, don't, I, I couldn't really find any evidence it happened to anyone else. Me being me, I am going to experiment, not with sending any pictures, but on your iPhone... I had a look when I read the story, and if you go to your photos, okay, and you I mean, can try can this along. Is you this, can try is this, this a play along at home thing? It is, yeah. Choose any image. You're not actually going to send it to anyone, so uh, you can you can choose one of those private ones. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then immediately below, uh, oh no, hang on, let me just give that. Let me just right from the beginning. Is this the point answer. where you reveal that you found all my pictures on this thread? <laughs> choose an image. <laughs> and say, yeah. click the share square, the little yeah. square with the arrow. Yeah, never understood then, that icon, to be honest. You are? Never Wrong understood icon. that icon. No, I haven't actually, no. Oh, but good. I now know it as the Apple sharing icon. So, yeah. share square sounds good, though, doesn't it? We should use that. Um, and then you've got AirDrop. Um, yes. And any, it will list any devices you can share with. So, your Mac's probably in that box, depending on it how is. you set it I can, up. I can see my Mac in the list. So, I am going to try before the next podcast and we'll follow up. Mm-hmm. Next time, next time I stood in the supermarket, or I don't really go to. I don't generally like being around other people, so it's not very often that I'm in very crowded <laughs> places. Although, but you do, I, you do go. You, you do, you know, as you say, good example, supermarket places where you have to go, but there are lots of people there. Yeah, I'm going but, to. Uh, uh, maybe we should both do it. Just see, because airdrop you can say contacts only. Yeah. Everyone or off. But I'm for just going to do everyone, a little survey. Sorry, no, you, you carry on. I'll, I was gonna, I'm just going to do a little survey as to how many people actually uh, come up in that list in a crowded place. And, and actually, just thinking about it, not for next podcast, if, if we actually do it every Friday, uh, but um, I, I got bought a ticket to the Sunday of Reading Festival. So <laughs> when I'm in the thick of it, my mum's coming... Um, when I'm in the thick of do it, do not send pictures to your mother, <laughs> please. Um, I I figured what I, I was going to try two things. One, I was going to uh, see how many people are in there, but also I'm going to change the name of my iPhone to like Sarah's iPhone or something like oh, that, God. and and just see if you actually get any requests. I'm with you. I don't think this is a thing yet. It could be a thing in the future, uh, yeah. but it would just be interesting bit of research. Um, yeah, because this girl wasn't very impressed, and you know whether or not people actually bother going to the. Uh, I guess it's like it's not as clear cut as someone just pulling their trousers off in front of you. Like, yeah, sure. Is it illegal? Probably it's illegal. But you you can be oh, cyber flashed. I'm in sure. Lots of... I'm sure it is. It's it's indecent imagery. But the interesting thing is, it's a the attention that you will get from the person you've sent it to is a lot more acute. So if it if if it was just a flasher in the park. Yeah. You know, his success rate is is not guaranteed. 
But if you manage to, you know, <laughs> that's right. So, 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 I mean, I'm talking about this in such a blast. I mean, this is dreadful. And this is all your idea. So, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, advo- I'm not advocating this. And I, I just love make it very clear that you are just, I just the, love pictures the, fact. That you, the pictures that you're talking about here are going to be very normal. Like, you're not, you're not, you're not advocating any kind of illegal behaviour. No, 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 no. I, I love the thought of two flashes having a chat about their success rates. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I, but you must see my my point being that 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 I can. What was my point? I tell you what. Okay, you've got Flasher in the park that probably needs psychiatric help. Yes. You've got the person that will anonymously send those kind of images to people online. Who also needs help. It does need help, but can't see his victim's reaction or her or her victim's reaction. Yes. And. This is creepy because they must be within Bluetooth range. Yes. Okay. Somebody yes. in that crowded space has it's, just sent you an explicit picture and now yeah. they're watching your reaction. Yes. And you don't know who it is. And you must feel vulnerable and at risk in that situation. Absolutely. Male or female. With, so with anyway. The, with, with the thing about whether this is a thing, like, sure, is airdrop enabled for everyone to be able to send stuff to you by default? No, uh, but you can imagine. Right, so I thought that one. I did. I looked at my mine, settings. You know, mine is. You know, it can only be sent to like. Mine's on the lowest lockdown or whatever. Do you know what? I I thought the same thing. I looked at my settings and surprise, surprise, I was actually enabled for everyone. And I remember the time I changed it and never changed it back. Let's check. Let's check this now on mine because if it proves to be the same with me, then that just goes. To Are you doing it on your phone or on your to, Mac? Uh, I don't know. That's my Mac. How do I find out on my phone? Just so um, my literally, Mac, my Mac does allow everyone, but then that's not I, <gasps> the same. Oh no, it's okay. Sorry, I thought I killed our recording, then it's still recording. Yeah. Um, no, if you go to uh, yeah. well, I'm running iOS 11, you see, Chris, yeah. and beta 5. No, I don't no, know no, whether no, it's no, the no, same for you. Than me. Um, I found AirDrop, but I don't see an option in there for it's no, okay. Um, then just go to settings, gen. Uh, it's in yeah. it's in your I think there's an easier way, I just can't remember what it is. If you go to settings and yeah. then general airdrop. Uh general air, I'm not seeing airdrop. This is this is uh, a good podcast. This well this is me. <laughs> the okay. iOS eleven. Menus. iOS yeah, eleven yeah. has it under general airdrop and then you've got okay. receiving off contacts only or everyone. Right. I don't think unless I'm but, being blind and I hope someone will um, you know, email in and explain that it is in iOS 10. But as far as I can tell, it's not It definitely in iOS is. 10. I've seen it. And you know, anyway, I remember the precise moment I put it on everyone. And you were there. It was on my stag do. Right. Um, so we were we were camping at a at Hockenheim racetrack for the F1. Why were and, we airdropping? What were we doing? Well, no, no, no. This is the thing. Uh, we were, we might have had a few drinks. And there was, we were doing this silly thing where you span your head around a stick and then try to run. Oh, I remember that. Crashing yeah, yeah, into yeah. people's tent. Well, this crazy Dutch guy that was there was filming it. And he was like, do you want the video? And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, just turn your airdrop on for everyone. And I did it. And he airdropped me the video right. of okay. us lot behaving um, like children. And yeah. um, I never turned it off. And so I can see how you can end up in a situation where you've got airdrop on for everyone. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to do a little survey and uh, we'll see. Um, no one will be receiving any pictures from me, and Claire's probably going to wonder why my phone suddenly called 
Jenny's iPhone or whatever. I need a seductive name for my phone. Um, yeah, it needs to be something suggestive. Yeah. Like like that you're, you know, single. I'm open, I'm open to offers. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Um, and yeah, it's probably not not the best content for the podcast deciding what that is. But I'll, I'll no. pick something, and and then we'll discover. Maybe not for next Friday, but um, certainly yeah. after I've been in the, you've got how many people can you fit within a ten meter radius in a in a in a crowd at a festival? Probably two or three hundred. Mm-hmm. So that's got to be a good place to uh, put this to the test. Right. Okay. I like Excellent. I like this idea much that I don't encourage this behavior. In, in any research. way, I, I I like the idea of uh, of an attempt to discover something. Yeah, I think realistically, the more interesting thing is going to be how many people in that ten meter radius. I'll do yes. some maths on how many people that is. Um, yep. Have airdrop on that I can send them pictures yes. to. I could theoretically send them pictures to. Yeah, cool. Um, and that should be interesting. Right. Sweet. We'll leave so it there then. We've recorded episode number. Oh, it's episode one. It is episode one, yeah, for for people who just joined us um, this week, um, we were saying in our our episode zero, our first episode, that we were going to start at zero purely because, you know. Well, yeah, I just, yeah, I did explain, I've nicked it from someone else, which is why it's not my idea, but obviously being like a techie, geeky podcast, it, it makes sense to start from zero. Yeah. And then celebrate things like, um episode 64 and 128 yeah um instead of 100 um but um i i stole it from uh from steve gibson well i mentioned to you before and i know you think security now is boring but i find it quite interesting um but when did i say when did i say it was i thought you said it was boring no that wasn't me i think you were were you sure you weren't talking to claire well, no, she definitely thinks it's boring. <laughs> she definitely <laughs> thinks it's boring. I I haven't even played Claire our first one because I know she'll take the mickey out of me. Yeah, um, no, I I the same this side. Although, yeah, I I I think I think they'd enjoy it, but uh, no. <laughs> Do you? Well, no, that's probably not true. Maybe no, it's better. I, can, I already know what the face is. I already know I, what that face looks like. I think I can be myself more if I know my wife's not going to listen to the podcast. <laughs> is it like that time uh, the four of us watched Wolf of Wall Street together? <laughs> <laughs> I promise I'd only seen the aircraft version which yeah, had all the rude bits cut out <laughs> yeah oh I'll tell you what we should tell people before we go okay which is next the next ep- recording which yeah. we'll be planning on doing next Friday on the 25th That's of August correct. Yeah. Um, me and you oh, will be in the same, same room yeah. yeah so there'll be no fancy editing afterwards or two recordings etc etc It'll just be me and you in one room. Where that'll be, I don't know. No. Um, we'll have and to decide. Possible... And whether or not we'll be given the time to do it yeah. by uh, by other people, I don't know either. But we'll find out. And um, I think if we... it becomes apparent that we're not going to be given that time, then what we do is we, we record Run away. over over the, the, the longer period that we're together without either of them knowing. Yeah. So it's sort of like <laughs> sound bites... That dropped into conversation that contextually make no sense, but yes. when edited together, it makes it a very. It could be podcast. quite an editing job. Um, it could be, but it, it's an it's well, an interesting social challenge. Worst case, we'll yeah. just do it uh, immediately after. Yeah. Um, we're in the same room, 
And we should then... also say that there's also the possibility that we might film it again. It's entirely oh. down to yeah. I'm happy to film conditions. it. I just yeah. The only thing, hmm, I don't know how much value it adds. If I was going to film it, I think I'd want. We'd need to set up some fancy screen capture as well, wouldn't we? Or not? Um. I, I guess know. you could edit in a few bits of that afterwards, couldn't you? Yeah, yeah. This is all okay. an experiment, ultimately, because we're only talking to... Well, we'd be lucky if we're talking to one person. But hopefully, um, over time, this experiment will turn into a coherent series of episodes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful. Right. Right, OK. Well, uh, you enjoy your weekend, and, uh, and we'll speak soon. Excellent. See you later. Take care. Thanks. for listening to another episode of 200 OK, hosted by Chris Sherritt and myself, James Beck. You can find out more about the show, including how to contact us, on our website, 200ok.show. That's the words, 200ok.show. Thanks again, and see you next time.